In today's episode of Small Screen Stories, there's an all-female version of Pirates of the Caribbean starring Margot Robbie, which has got Johnny Depp fans rather angry. Michael Keaton is coming back as Batman in the Flash movie. Ben Affleck's return as Batman could be revealed at DC fandom. I explain why we need a Hannibal revival series at Netflix, and I also give my verdict on the Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. So sit back and enjoy this special episode of Small Screen Stories. Hello, and welcome back to Small Screen Stories. This is a podcast where I go through all the news of the week in the world of entertainment and pop culture, and I also review some stuff every now and then. So let's kick things off by chatting about this all-female version of Pirates of the Caribbean, starring Margot Robbie. Yeah, so this was revealed uh, earlier this week, and it's got people very riled up on the internet. A lot of these people are, of course, Johnny Depp fans. It's been rumoured for a long time that Johnny Depp won't be back uh, to the, uh, the the Pirates of the Caribbean series, and that is a huge shame. But this is kind of indicative of this this all female version of Pirates of the Caribbean. This was actually revealed by Variety, and it, they also revealed that Margot Robbie will be starring in this film, and she'll be teaming up with the Birds of Prey writer Christina Hodgson, and she. I have to give it up to she wrote a really good movie in Birds of Prey. I've said it on this podcast before. I really, really enjoyed this movie. And actually, I was wrong earlier. It was the Hollywood Reporter that revealed this this news. But they they basically the whole thing is really confusing. So if you read their report, they say that this movie will star Margot Robbie, but it won't be connected to the the Pirates franchise we know, and it won't be create it won't be connected to the spin off franchise that we're getting from Ed Elliott and uh, the Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin. So (laughs) what is this? Well, basically, it's a completely brand new movie, which just so happens to be about the same kind of things that (laughs) the original movies were. So it's kind of based on on the Disneyland Pirates ride. And I'm... (sighs) I am all for, like, I really, really think Hollywood needs to make more movies in which there are really powerful, really awesome uh, female characters in them. But this isn't the answer. The answer isn't to take an old kind of basically name, which is which Pirates, that's what Pirates is. It's a massive franchise and kind of shoehorn it an all female version of that in there. It hasn't worked so far and it just won't work because, well... You can make the very best film ever. Like, you can make the most incredible film. But the problem is, if it's tied to a previous franchise, it's going to be constantly compared to what came before it. And that's already you're starting off, you know, you're starting off at a loss there, basically. You're having to gain a heck of a lot of fans from the very beginning. And it's you're always going to disappoint people. No matter how good the film is, people are always disappointed by things. And this just causes really unnecessary angst amongst a huge section of the Pirates fan base to begin with because Johnny Depp's not going to be in this movie. It's been, you know, there have been countless articles written about why Johnny Depp won't be in the Pirates movie. You can go and read them for yourselves. It's got something to do with his... uh, the allegations made against him by Amber Heard and um, he basically lost his, his role as Captain Jack Sparrow. And the problem with not having Johnny Depp in these movies and trying to make Pirates of the Caribbean without Johnny Depp is that Pirates of the Caribbean, like him or not, it's nothing without Johnny Depp. It really is nothing. 
he it's been widely reported that when he first got the role as captain jack sparrow they the producers were not happy with what he was doing on set but gore verbinski kind of just went with it and just let him do let him do whatever he wanted to do because it's johnny depp what are you going to tell johnny depp to <laughs> not to do what he's doing is not an easy thing to do and it turned out to be a really good move on verbinski's part because the film, actually, I love the first, I think, two Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I think they're both really good films. They're really good blockbusters. And they made a lot of money. And they basically got Johnny Depp, you know, they they put him into mega stardom. Before that, he was pretty well known. He was he was well known for being in, a, in like, Chocolat. He was in a, a bunch of movies before that as well. He was, he was a well-known actor. But he wasn't kind of that big household, house name, like... He wasn't the, the big name that he is today. And again, Pirates wasn't, it, it just wouldn't have been anything without Johnny Depp. Now, I think Margot Robbie is a terrific actor. I think she's brilliant. I recently watched um, one of the uh, the film, oh, I've forgotten the name of the movie now. But, it, you know, she's first of all, she's great in things like Suicide Squad. She's fantastic as Harley Quinn. Uh, she's fantastic in in Birds of Prey as well. I Tonya, so that was the film I was trying to think of. She's really good in that, really really good in that. Um, she's also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and she's fantastic in that film as well. Although I think she deserves a bit more screen time in that movie. But there's just all this stuff before this. It just starts. It basically starts off with a handicap. It's like you you never. I mean, you, you're starting off behind the start. <laughs> if you know, if there's a race, for instance. You know, if this is a like a hundred meter sprint, the others get like a everyone else is getting a ten second head start. So basically, they're finished before you've even started. It's just madness, and it's 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 Disney basically trying to make trying to bring a franchise back, and this franchise is dead. Really, it really is dead to me. If first off, there are too many parts of the Caribbean movies. It was dead before they even ever started thinking of doing a reboot. So why they're doing this, I really don't know. But so, as I said before, Johnny Depp fans are mad about this. And, and to be honest, I kind of understand where they're coming from. A lot of people have been um, have been going to Twitter and uh, the hashtag not my yeah, no, no Johnny, no pirates has been trending. And there's a reason why that's been trending is because people don't want this. People really don't want this. And. And I really, really can't blame them. I can't blame fans for looking at this and just thinking, you know what, I've had enough. We, we Before this, we had uh, the Ghostbusters um, reboot, kind of, not even. It was, it was That was just weird. With the It was a Paul Feig film with a, an all-female cast. And I, lo- I love every actress and every actor in that movie. But the film itself just it didn't kind of it didn't recapture that Ghostbusters magic, and there's a reason why people didn't like it. It's because it just not it's not as good as the original movies. Well, the original movie Ghostbusters two wasn't very good either. And now what they're doing is they're just going back to what they were doing before, and it's just really sad because then you think that if they keep on doing this, no one people aren't just not going to watch uh, an all female movie because they're going to think it's the same sort of thing. Really what they need are new ideas, new franchises. Uh, real, they don't need to lean on these old, old they're, they're old and stale franchises for a reason. You know, you, there's, no, there's no reason to go back to them and there's, there's no reason to make it an all-female cast just for the sake of making it an all-female cast. 
then again, Margot Robbie doesn't doesn't she tends not to sign on to projects that she's not really a hundred percent sure about. You know, the, you look at the films she's been in; they're all most of them are brilliant. I, I really haven't seen her. I have I haven't seen her in a bad movie. I'm gonna say I think she's been in really actually no I have Suicide Squad's a pretty bad movie, but the character that was what drew her to that film and she's perfect for that character and then she did birds of prey which i have said time and time again i really love that movie i know a lot of people don't like it but i really enjoyed it anyway let's move away from margot robbie uh, and johnny depp and say hello to michael keaton so this i think this is my favorite um news of a long long time for a long long time i haven't i've been really looking forward to this possibly happening there have been rumors about it for a while yeah, it's that Michael Keaton is going to be returning as Batman in Ezra Miller's Flash movie. So this movie is being directed by Andy Muschietti, who directed the two It movies. Um, and I think he's a really he's a really solid director. He's someone that you can really trust to make a solidly, you know, very solid, well-made film. Uh, I I was more excited for you know there are a lot of people involved in the flash movie project that i was more excited about seeing them do it so uh you know that at one point uh, lord and miller were attached to it but then again they're attached to so much stuff and they kind of warner brothers kind of took this movie back to the drawing board and it's now with andy muschietti and there's a lot of news coming out about this film so first off uh it's rumored that ray fisher is going to be in it as cyborg and now we're hearing that Michael Keaton's also going to be in it as as Batman, possibly Bruce Wayne, and but the the other rumors are, are, are that he's going to be in the bat suit in this film. So what people have said is that this is actually going to be the introduction of the multiverse to um, to the DCU. So this this is really interesting because this could basically solve a lot of a lot of Warner Brothers and DC Comics issues with these movies they could basically just connect everything through the multiverse and it's basically what they've been doing with the TV shows with the Arrowverse you know everything's now connected and actually incidentally uh, this Michael Keaton version of Batman which was in the Tim Burton movies was actually hinted at in the Arrowverse so there was a moment where when the show actually did go to that universe and um and also, of course, Ezra Miller's Flash was in that was in uh, the crossover event, the Arrowverse crossover event, very briefly, but it was very amusing, you know, to see him in it. And it's basically what they're doing is basically tying everything together in a in a in a way that I, I know it kind of seems a bit kind of haphazard, but it is in the comics. It is something that comic book enthusiasts and DC Comics fans will look at and be like, you know what, this is this is something that Marvel's not doing. I know there are rumors that they're going to do it. Uh, with the Doctor Strange movie that's coming out, that's that's going to introduce everything, you know, their version of the multiverse. But this film is going to introduce new Earths. This this uh, Flash movie is going to introduce new Earths, and then it seems as though Ezra Miller's Flash is going to meet Michael Keaton's Batman, and hopefully, he might end up getting some words of wisdom because you know Ezra Miller's Flash is pretty. He's he's all over the place really, and. It does look like Ben Affleck won't be involved in these movies moving forward, but more on that in a bit. There are also rumours that this Flash movie is actually going to lead into a Batman Beyond film starring Michael Keaton. So this could really be Michael Keaton really coming back into Batman and playing this character, playing Bruce Wayne in particular, 
for a lot longer than he ever thought he was going to. Uh, he's kind of been teasing, not really teasing, but he's been he's spoken about how he is open to returning to the role. So, you know, it was obviously a no-brainer for him when Warner Brothers came to him and asked him if he'd be in the film. He was just like, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, moving away from Michael Keaton and on to uh, Ray Fisher and Joss Whedon in particular. So Ray, Ray Fisher's been, he's hes a very vocal chap on uh, on Instagram and he's, uh, it's actually Twitter, and um, he recently kind of outed Joss Whedon. So Ray Fisher, I mentioned this before, he played Cyborg in the DCU. Hopefully he's going to play him again further down the, the line. But he actually took to Twitter to claim that Joss Whedon was abusive on set. So here's the exact tweet. So he said, Joss Whedon's on-set treatment of the cast and crew of Justice League was gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. He was enabled in many ways by Jeff Johns and John Berg. Accountability is more than entertainment. So that is huge. I mean... There have been a lot of allegations made against Joss Whedon over the years. Of course, there are the allegations made by women that he was inappropriate towards them. That is that's that's well that's a well known fact. That's something that he's been um, having to deal with for a while. He's actually lost lost a lot of um, jobs because of it. And this new kind of allegation that Joss Whedon was abusive on set, gross, unprofessional, and unacceptable. They 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 are big words to to say about a director so basically joss whedon came in to direct basically finished directing justice league after Zack snyder left the project and he basically changed the whole movie the movie that we got is not the film that Zack snyder wanted to make the film that Zack snyder wanted to make is coming to hbo in 2021 which is really exciting i'm really excited to see that even though i'm not the biggest fan of Zack snyder's dc uh, eu movies i still i have I just really like the guy and I really like his visual style. I think he's very, his movies are always very visually arresting. They're really pretty. They're really interesting to look at. The stories, on the other hand, are just all over the place. Uh, but I I would much rather see his version of Justice League than what we got, than the kind of mishmash of Zack Snyder, Joss Whedon. It kind of, it was all over the place tonally. It didn't work. It didn't look as good as I wanted it to look. It had some weird filter issues. There were a lot of red scenes that I really didn't like. Batman, I have had issues with the way Batman was portrayed in the film. I, I think Ben Affleck is a terrific Batman, but I think he was really hard done by in this film. The same, that you know, there was a whole uh, moustache, the... The Beards Gate with Henry Cavill, it just looked awful. They had to CG, they had to remove through CGI his moustache and it just looked really stupid. And, you know, this hopefully will all be addressed in this um, in this Zack Snyder Justice League cut, which is coming to HBO Max. But this, again, is just more proof that it's like, what were they doing? What were they doing? It's like, I just really, I really don't understand... Like, first off, I hope, I mean, is this, to me, it's Ray Fisher, I, I believe he was on set. Famously, a lot of his scenes were cut from the final, from the final movie, so maybe there's a bit of bad blood there, but, oh my God, this is not a good thing to hear, you know, um, I just, um, <laughs> I hope, I mean, yeah, he, sh he shouldn't, I don't think he should work again, I mean, it's a shame because I really love the guy, and I, and I think he's, 
he's made some really interesting movies and TV shows in the past, but the this, the allegations keep on coming, and you know, you can't. You got to say that again. There, there comes a point where you just got to say enough's enough. This guy can't work again. It just doesn't. It won't work. Anyway, moving away from DC and um, actually comic book movies and onto comic books. So it's been revealed that um, Marvel Comics now owns the comic book rights to the Alien and Predator franchises. So I, I'm, uh, I'm very torn on this. First off, it seems to me as though Marvel Comics now owns. All the big like comic book franchises, so they earn they own first of all the Marvel comics, of course. They do those. They also do the Star Wars comics, and now they do the Alien and the Predator comics. And actually, they're two very big comic book franchises. The problem is, I mean, I'm like, okay, that's fine. This means that we're going to get to see possible crossovers between the Marvel universe and the Alien and Predator universe, which is fun. Probably get to see Predator go up against Iron Man, which is a a battle that I think would be great to see. I think that'd be fantastic. But the problem I have is that these comics, both of them, Alien and Predator, they'd originally been made by Dark Horse Comics. And I love Dark Horse Comics. I love the Firefly comics. I love the Star Wars comics they used to make. And I loved the Alien and the Predator comics they used to make. They used to make some really good like crossovers with the DC Universe. So we actually saw Batman go up against Predator. We also saw Batman go up against Alien. And these are really fun comics. They, you know, they also did some. I think it was uh, Judge Dredd and Predator and Alien. You know, they did some really interesting collaborations uh, with people. And Dark Horse Comics is one of those comic book companies that I just really love because the comics they make, they're very geeky. First of all, so if you, if I mean, they often do before all, you know, before Fox, uh, um, this sorry, Disney's takeover of Fox, they were doing Star Wars. Firefly, Alien, Predator. You know, that they're big movie franchises and they're making really good comics out of them. Now they've just got Firefly. And you think, what's going to happen to Dark Horse Comics? Basically, Disney has ended Dark Horse Comics because they, they've taken away from them their lifeblood. And, and I really feel... Ugh, this is the problem with Monopolies. It's like, okay, I want to see these... I want to see new Alien comics and new Predator comics, yes, but do I want to see a company like Dark Horse go under because of this? No, I don't. I really don't. And um, it's really it's really upsetting. It's um, I feel very bad for everyone at Dark Horse Comics. Of course, I mean this is this was announced well this week, but this has probably been in the pipeline for a long time ever since um, Marvel and Disney got the rights to Alien and Predator. And it just makes me feel a bit sad. And um, I'm excited. I'm I am excited to see what they make and what they do with those franchises. And I'm also excited to see what they do with those movie franchises, because those are in dire need of some love. Because they were just basically ruined by 20th Century Fox. Really, really, just the last Alien and Predator movies were awful. So hopefully they can do something there. But then again, Disney don't tend to do R-rated movies, uh, 18 uh, in the UK, R-rated in the US. But maybe uh, maybe Marvel, but they basically, I th- I, it looks like people at Marvel are going to get to play around with these movie franchises. So maybe they'll be allowed to, to kind of start a new kind of sub-studio that just does R-rated movies. That's a, one way they could also do the Deadpool films. So... 
let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what happens. Maybe the comics will be great. Maybe the movies will be great. But, uh, you know, this is not good news for Dark Horse Comics. Um, moving away from all of that and on to Hannibal. So I did a piece uh, about uh, Hannibal and a possible revival and how we really need to see it come back. So let me explain. Hannibal was, I, I believe, uh, years ahead of its time. Uh, it was a, a really good... A really interesting, uh, kind of really thoroughly engrossing TV show from Brian Fuller in which Mads Mikkelsen plays uh, Hannibal Lecter. And uh, it's got Hugh Dancy in it, it's got Lawrence Fishburne in it, it's got uh, Gillian Anderson's in it, and it, it's got a fantastic cast, fantastic stories, fantastic acting, it looks incredible. And it was just so, it was, what's the word? It was very, um, it was just very smart, and um, and and I was I would watch it and I would just be, I remember I binge watched the first two series and then the third series came out and that was it was announced that that'd be the last series and then Brian Fuller was shopping the show around trying to get it bought by someone like Amazon by Hulu by Netflix and now basically the whole show is on on Netflix, and. It's actually ended up being one of the most watched series on Netflix of all time. That's huge. And that, to me, shows that there is still interest. There is still an appetite for Hannibal, and in particular, Mads Mikkelsen's Hannibal. And the reason why I'm like, we really need a revival is because Brian Fuller basically bought the rights to uh, The Silence of the Lambs, uh, so meaning that he can tell that story. And he never got the chance to. And I would love to see Mads Mikkelsen get to really sink his teeth into um, that particular storyline because that's where, for me, that's where Hannibal really gets into his own. Before this series was made, I never, ever in a million years thought that I'd ever think anyone was better at Hannibal than Anthony Hopkins. Turns out Mads Mikkelsen is better. People might get annoyed with me about saying that, but I genuinely think Mads Mikkelsen's performance as Hannibal is incredible. Like, it's gen I think I'm surprised he didn't win more awards. I think a lot of people struggled, especially in America, with his accent. Personally, I didn't. Uh, I thought he was sinister. He was clever. He was dangerous. He was alluring. Everything you want Hannibal to be. Anthony Hopkins was that, but, you know, there's still an element of... that. I suppose Mads gave him an element of sex appeal that uh, Anthony Hopkins didn't have. <laughs> I know that sounds a bit weird to say, but he, he's, he's very... Yeah, alluring is the right word. You can, you can understand how a man like Hannibal Lecter, played by Mads Mikkelsen, can really draw people in. And that's one of the th reasons why I think we just need more of this. Han um, sorry, Mads Mikkelsen and Hugh Dancy have both said they'd love to come back and do it. So why not do it? Why Netflix really needs to buy this and just and just get it done? They're very good at it. They've shown they're very good at these sorts of series. You know, you've got The Sinner on Netflix, which is really popular. You've got Dark, which is one like I watch Dark and I think, oh my god, Netflix, please just make Hannibal, because they do such a good job with it. Rain as well is a really good one. That they can, they've they've shown that they can do these sorts of series. So they've got to just get on with it. Anyway, moving away from the news and on to reviews. So uh, one of the big things to drop 
uh, in a while actually on on Netflix is this new Will Ferrell movie called Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga. And uh, when I first heard uh, the news, I was thinking this is going to be bad. Like really, a film about Eurovision starring Will Ferrell, <laughs> in which he he plays a member of a band called Fire Saga from Iceland, and all they want to do is win Eurovision. But I watched it and I loved it. I'm um I'm gonna be honest here. I'm a huge sucker for Eurovision. Um, I was kind of upset that Eurovision wasn't gonna happen this year. I was really looking forward to it. It was gonna be in Holland, uh, in Amsterdam, I believe. Um, but no, it um it didn't win, and that was that was a shame. But uh, sorry, it didn't it didn't happen, and that was a shame because of COVID. But we've got this movie, and this movie really is like a Eurovision uh, fan's dream, basically, because it's silly, it's, it's, it's quirky, it's camp, it's, it's really dumb. It, it shows all of Eurovision's flaws, but also all of its uh, strong points as well. You know, it's, I mean, people have written about this and been like, this is very, this is actually quite offensive. And and I'm I'm watching it thinking yes the accents are offensive yes you know there's there's a lot of stereotyping going on especially I mean if you're Icelandic you probably will look at this film and think what on earth are they doing we are not like this and that you know that is true but the thing is basically no one is safe in this movie Will Ferrell there are a lot of jokes towards Americans in this film which I think I thought were hilarious you've got Piers Brosnan doing an awful, awful Icelandic accent, but you know what? I love Piers Brosnan and I loved watching it. He, he plays Will's Fer Will Ferrell's dad. The The main thing though about this film that I really loved, and again, I don't think it was spoken, it was, wasn't really talked about um, in a lot of people's reviews of this film, is Rachel McAdams. Right? Rachel McAdams yet again proves that she's one of the best comedic actresses, actors just around today. People forget that she she was in, you know, she's, she was in Mean Girls, she was in Wedding Crashes, she's in this. She's really funny. She's really good at comedy and she doesn't get enough credit for it. She's basically doing Bjork in this film. And without, I think Will Ferrell is at his best when he's playing against kind of a straight, uh, like a straight person, well, not a straight person, but someone that's playing it very, very straight. And that's what she, that's that is exactly what Rachel McAdams is doing here. But she's doing it so well that it's one of those performances that kind of goes under the radar, but really should be mentioned because it's it's that kind of performance that I don't think it doesn't get it doesn't get recognised, but it's so important. And without it, the film would just be Will Ferrell being stupid, and that's not what you want. You want you, you want a back and forth. You want someone that he can play off. And that's that's why this is this is literally Will Ferrell's best film in years. I would say this is his best film since the Lego Movie film, which I loved, and he's in. And one of the reasons I love that is I love that he was is because he's part of an ensemble cast in that film, and it really works. I also really like the other guys, and he's kind of playing off Mark Wahlberg in that film. And that's for me, that's their best um, movie together. The others are terrible. They did um, I can't remember the stepdad films. Maybe I can't. They did a bunch of films after that together that were really not good. But yeah, I really liked it. I understand there are lots of people out there that didn't like it at all, that found it offensive, that thought it was just stupid. But I personally thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was really funny. Um, and 
that would have been it, but there was also some kind of some bonus news that I want to talk about is that uh, Gilling Maxwell has been caught, has been arrested in uh, New Hampshire. And I just wanted to mention that quickly because first off, she that this this whole story was mad. The fact that she was still out there, that she was managing somehow to evade arrest was just in like madness. If you don't know who she is, look her up. You've probably watched uh, the the docu series on Netflix called Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. She uh, many people believe was the ringleader, really the instigator behind all of the all of Jeffrey Epstein's crimes. She was the person that. Um, she basically groomed these young women um, for him and other people, her rich, powerful friends, such as supposedly, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go into all of it now because it's all out there, but I'm just saying, look it up. I'm pretty sure you've all heard, heard about this news. It's big news. And I just wanted to mention it because we could possibly, possibly get more um, episodes of Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich, which was a really... Uh, eye-opening uh, docu-series on Netflix, but also we can finally get answers to the questions we've all had since Jeffrey Epstein's death. And that is really important. And I think uh, Hollywood might be rather, well, will be wa- rather wa- worried about this. And um, hope, well, they'll probably be hoping that she doesn't talk, but I hope she does. And, um, and I hope she gets life. Yeah, so that was a lot to get through, and as usual, I merely scratched the surface of all the news that came out this week. But please go and check out Small Screen, which is at www.small-screen.co.uk, for even more pop culture news, features, and reviews. You'll also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SmallScreenGB. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again very soon. Thank you. Goodbye.